Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. That's better. Proud of you. Well, stand, hold your Bibles up, cup your hand, your iPhone, iPad, whatever it is you have. Fake it till you make it. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I love that song, John Mayer song, and, you know, I think it's a desire of everyone uh, of us, as I stated, what will there for, for there be a change in the world? The challenge with this song is that it's what we desire, but what we do about it is uh, kind of a very different situation. There's an elderly man that loved to fish, and one day he was standing on the, the bank fishing and casting and just standing there having a great time, and all of a sudden, there's nobody else around, and he hears this voice, pick me up. He looked around, startled him, fished a little longer, and he heard it again, pick me up. And he looks down, and there's a frog. Frog said, pick me up. So he reached down, picked the frog up, and the frog said, if you'll just kiss me, I'll turn into a a beautiful princess. Kiss me and turn me into a beautiful princess. And just put it in his pocket. And the frog said, aren't you going to kiss me and turn me into a beautiful princess? He said, no. Right now, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> Sometimes we're waiting on somebody to do something, and they're just not going to do it. The frog's going to be a frog. The frog needed the fisherman to help. It become a princess, and he chose not to. There are a lot of people in the world today waiting for somebody else to create change to bring happiness to their life. And if you're waiting on that, you're going to wait a long time. Isaiah addresses this like this in Isaiah 20, uh, 40, verse 29. He, God, gives power to the faint and weary... And to him who has no might, he increases strength. This is how the Amplified Version. Causing it to multiply and making it to abound. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and selected young men shall feebly stumble and fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. Those who don't wait for the world to change, but wait upon the Lord. Those who wait for the Lord. And I feel like Christianity has become uh, prey to expecting change in our world to come from our government, from government officials, and from choices that they make. You're going to be waiting a lifetime because everyone you elect is a sinner. Now, some of them are saved by grace, but all of them are just like us. 
they have their own ideas and ideals, and, and, and certainly I believe we should pray for our leadership. We support them. We should never criticize all of those things. But it would be too much of a burden on them if we expected them to change the world in which we live. We're called as believers to be world changers. But you can't change the world if you can't change yourself. You're making your world change. Make changes in your life that will be conducive to the abundant life that Jesus has called us to live. So often our joy, our peace, our faith, our fear, our expectations, our discouragement, our encouragement is based on what we watch on TV. And as the song said, they can slant it however they want. Now the line that really scares me is one day our generation will rule the population. God help us. And I'm sure every generation has said this, like, oh, can you imagine the millennials? They'll be giving everything away, expecting somebody else to pay for it. And I, I'm not saying that to be mean or, or cruel, but I'm just saying there is nothing that comes free. Somebody pays. Our freedom today is a result of great men and women who have chosen to fight for the freedom that we enjoy. It's not free. There's no such thing as free education. Somebody's being taxed to pay for that education. And so we live in a world that all the, the rhetoric sounds really great and inviting and wonderful, but the reality is it's not a reality. It can't happen. And so Jesus put it this way in John chapter 16. He said, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. He says, you choose to be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. So he's saying the world has no power or authority in your life except that which you give it. You can say, well, the world's going to hell in a handbag. Well, don't jump in the handbag. It's real simple. Stay out of the handbag. Live your life in you. That if you're a believer, you have the power resident in your life, the power of God himself, the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. And when everything's falling apart, you can be the one standing strong. And so we've got to stop putting the pressure on elected officials and others for the world to change. Quite frankly, I don't think it's ever going to change. Well, let me put it this way. I don't think it's ever going to change for the good. Now, if I was preaching faith today, I'd say, I believe revival is going to sweep the nation. I'd love it if that happened. But quite frankly, I think if revival just swept through each and every one of us, then the nation would be changed. But it's not going to be an invisible wave or an invisible wake. It's going to be a group of people that live a life that is pleasurable, full of faith to God, in God. And that we are unmoved, undaunted by everything that's happening around us in this world. We believe the Bible over CNN, CNBC, Fox News, and every other network. God said, I have deprived this world of its power over you. I mean, you think, well, the world could kill me. That would be heaven for me. We're too worried about dying. 
We're too worried about somebody harming us. Let me tell you something. You cannot take what's on the inside of me. You can take my house. You can take my car. You can take everything I possess. But you cannot take my relationship with Jesus Christ. If you cut my heart out of me, I'll be in heaven before it stops beating. I ain't waiting on the world to change. I get up every day and say, Mark, you got to change. I got enough issues of my own. I don't need to be watching everybody else. If I just change the way I think to change the way I behave, that's how come we here at Mosaic, we've, we've created what we call this culture uh, of love, grace, and mercy. Now, you know, used to, I, I said, well, let's reach a city, change it. But world, that was a grand pursuit until I realized it wasn't going to happen. But let me tell you what will happen. <clears throat> if you have a right culture, everything around you can change because of the culture, not because of you. So you've created this culture when people come around you that you're loving, you're kind, you're merciful, you're a good-natured person, you talk well and speak well of people, you're not negative, you're not bitter, you're not unforgiving. I promise you, if you start living that way, everybody will, you'll be a magnet and you'll be having to ask God to take away some of your friends. Because the world is not accustomed to that kind of response and behavior when things are going south and the stock market drops 500 points one day, goes up 600 the next. Jesus. It's crazy. It's volatile. And, and so we decided here we create this culture. What does that mean? Development or improvement of the mind by education and training. The behaviors and beliefs characteristic of a particular social, ethnic, or age group, youth culture, drug culture. You, you've heard of all these cultures. What we're trying to produce here is a culture that, in an atmosphere, that allows all of us to grow. So if you come in cranky to Mosaic, our prayer is before you get to the doors of the auditorium, your crankiness has been minimized. Not because we told you you have to change, but because we created a culture of love, grace, and mercy, and you're going to be so either set off by it or turned on by it that you're going to do something. You can keep on getting cranky when you come right on in here. There are people, I, I watch some people, just try to tell me something that'll make me change, preacher. Yeah, I dare you. And part of me wants to go, suck it up, buttercup. But then I have to go, no, it's love, grace, and mercy. We love your cranky little self. But you don't like it much. So why don't you just change your world? Now, let me just start here. This will be point number one, and I want you to grasp this. The reason most people are not living the culture we're talking about is because most people carry a lot of their past with them or a fragment of their past. And so you have to first address or change your hurtful past. You cannot possibly become who you want to be if you're still thinking about who you used to be. Your focus is not completely on your future and what you're expecting from God. It's easy to think about all the things that have happened to us and the people who have hurt us, and names of people, and faces of people. And before you know it, we don't even know where we're going. It's, it's as bad as somebody uh, texting while they're driving. Stop it. Yeah. 
but it's urgent. No, it's not. The Driving Safety Commission of Oklahoma asked me to do that today. Not my fault. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, No, dear brothers, I am still not all I should be, but I am bringing all, listen to this, all my energies to bear on this one thing. Paul said, I am not divided in my energy. How many of you know you only have so much energy? There's only 24 hours in a day. We are limited as human beings, and we have to make sure that we use our energies and our time in a way that brings a change to our world. You say, well, how does that work? Well, a lot of times our energy is toward our children, our spouse, our job, our neighborhood, and, and, and somebody who hurt us and somebody who said something about us, our boss, our neighbor, whatever the, the list goes on and on. And, and you know, I, I mean, I've always had... <laughs> That's the way I look at it anymore. I, half the time, I'm just being honest in the flesh. I just want to kill them. But I want to pray for them first and ask them to receive Jesus. I really want them to go to heaven. But you say, well, why would God do that? Here's what I have to remember every time I start giving energy to somebody who really annoys me is I have to start thinking, thank you. God is using you, and you don't even know it, so that my world can change. Susan and I went to a HOA meeting, uh, and we have the only neighbor in our neighborhood who has chosen to put a hideous RV in his driveway. It's against covenants. You can't have them in the driveway. So, I'm a preacher, but I'm a different kind of preacher. I don't have welcome written on one shirt in my closet that says you can wipe your feet on me. I'm going to help you grow. But... I said, you know, that we went to the meeting. I said, well, before I bought a house in this neighborhood, I read the covenants, which I know may be strange to some of you, but I like beauty. And so I, I, I want to make sure that <clears throat> this is going to be a beautiful place to live. So I went to the HOA president. And I said, why are you allowing this? Well, you know, we've addressed it. I said, really? I said, it's a good thing I'm not president. I'd be hitching that thing up and pulling it out myself in the name of Jesus. Six months, and now I don't even think much about it at all because I've decided it's not going to change. And if I don't change the way I think, I've got a piece of metal controlling my energies or drawing my energies. You want your boss to change and you're, you're doing everything in your power to try to get him removed, praying him out, talking about your boss... That boss is going to be there if you're a Christian until you change. The world will not change without us changing. And quite frankly, the church, as I've already stated, I'm not trying to be critical of the local church. I still believe it's a great institution, if not the greatest on earth. However, Christians sometimes utilize God for their own means instead of allowing God to use us and utilize us for his means. And... 
by that I mean that we need to be very careful and cautious that we're not giving our energy to praying someone out of our neighborhood instead of praying God into their life. Because that RV is going to burn, and I, I know he would not want to hear this, but it's going to burn someday. I mean, when Jesus comes back, I'm not talking about lighting it up. Because <laughs> if it does, then this sermon would indict me, I'm sure. Get that on tape. How do I change myself? I change directions. That's what repent means, to turn, change directions. So you say, well, why would you need to repent? You haven't said anything to him. It's my heart, not what I've said to him, not what I've done. It's my heart. So I have to change directions. That's what repentance means. And if you ever think that all you have to do is repent one time, and that's all you really have to do to go to heaven is repent of your sins, acknowledge Jesus as Lord. But we spend our entire lives repenting for how we think, what we say, where we're spending our energies, the criticism, the gossip, and all the things going on. We spend a lifetime repenting. And when I say that, hopefully I can stay turned longer each time I repent. So, God, I repent of gossip. Turn. You're tempted to gossip. You start here. God, uh, uh. Yeah, then you, you give in. and you, If you're going to gossip, really go full, full on. Because it's all the same. You're going to have to repent anyway. So just blow it all at once and then do, God, I did it. And I did it big. I went all in. Forgive me. You've never heard a pastor preach this before because they, they're just not telling you the whole truth. Nothing but the truth, so help them God. Because we all have to change directions. I change directions every day. Think, God, I don't like that part of me. Help me. And I, I mean, it's, not, it's unknown to a lot of people, even my wife, because there's just times I just go, God, I don't like this part of me. You don't want to drag somebody else into your business. They got their own business. So you have to individually say, I'm going to change directions. Men can starve from a lack of self-realization, realizing who you are, as much as they can from a lack of bread. We all have blind spots. And oftentimes those blind and what I have found is people are an idiot right now. I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but this is just what you're being right now. I mean, I've had some good friends that have helped change my life because of one direct word that was true. And I, as painful as it was, I knew it was true. It changed my world. I'm not going to wait for the world to change so I can change. I'm going to change so I can help the world change. Number two, change your targets. Don't seek revenge. Because if you get it, you'll be disappointed. It's short-lived. Paul had every reason to seek revenge. And the way he was treated, just like Jesus, could have sought revenge. Revenge is sweet for a moment, and it turns sour quick. Don't seek revenge. You want your world to change? You have to make the change. Change the rules in your life. You rule, not your past. So many times, the past rules our future. Yeah, you've made mistakes. Yeah, I've made mistakes. And quite frankly, there will always be somebody there to remind you of those mistakes. There will always be somebody. The minute you start doing really well and forgetting, there will be someone sent along to test what you really believe and if you've really forgiven. 
there'll be someone there to test it. And that's not that they're a bad person at all. Matter of fact, they may be on assignment from God. You're rebuking the devil and God's saying, but I sent them. Give me some credit up in here. I'm the one that sent them to help you. Things go south. Things go bad. Things go sour. I promise you, if we will change the way we think, it will change God's response to us. You say, well, how can that be? Because he, he told us what to do in order to be blessed. And, and we have to change in order to receive the blessing. It's like the person who doesn't tithe or give, asking God to bless them financially. Stop praying. It's not going to happen. You say, why? Because God told you how to be blessed. He said, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. If all you do is get blessed and you're not a blessing, I'm telling you the blessing's getting ready to get cut off. I'm, I'm being real today. You can get mad at me. This is not a Joel sermon. Well, Victoria and I just want you to know you're going to be blessed. And I love Joel with everything in me, but let me tell you, today I am challenging us to change. Narcissist. Now, I love me. I just don't like me all the time. Now, I love me all the time. I love me some Mark Crow up in here because God loves me. But I can promise you, God every now and then looks down from heaven and goes, I love that boy, but I just don't like the way he's behaving right now. And you know why he wouldn't like it? Because he can't bless me the way he wants to bless me. He can't get to me what he wants to get to me. It's not that God doesn't like me, doesn't like what I'm doing, because he said, I, I died so I could bless you, and you're acting like a buffoon right now. You didn't do what I told you right now. It's pretty good stuff. This one. I didn't know it was going to be this good. That's like cooking a meal going, that tastes better than I thought it cooked. Number two, change your hateful heart. Now, let me tell you, a hateful heart is the offspring of a hurtful past. If you have a hateful heart, anybody who lives a life of hate and walks in hate is a person who has not addressed their hurt. If you don't address your hurt, you will always have hate in your heart. Now, whether or not it manifests or, or it reveals itself, you will always have that. Because the hurt ties you to the past, a person, an experience, a moment, a time where you remember the pain of that moment or the person caused. And if you don't release that hurt, you will always have hate toward that which caused you the hurt. I have moments, and now I'll have this feeling, this emotion. And some of you say hate's extreme. Hate is hate, even at its smallest level. Just a little baby tomato is going to become a big tomato someday if you don't pluck it. Hate will become big hate someday. Little hate if you don't pluck it. And say, I'm not going to let this happen, but you have to address the hurt in order to overcome the hate. David said this in Psalm 13. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Now we're talking one of the greatest men and the thing I love about the psalmist and the thing I love about David is his authenticity to share what was going on in him. It helps me. To know that a man after God's own heart had trouble with his own heart. And that he was addressing the sorrow and the wrestling and struggling. 
and we have to address that. Listen to this statistic. 25 years, of, there was, <laughs> let me back up. Dr. Redford Williams Jr., some of his colleagues, did a personality study on 118 students in law school. They were graded on their hostility. 25 years later, 20% of those who had scored highest as being angry and hateful had died compared with only 5% of those who had registered lower. You don't think this is real? Physiologically, scientifically proven that hate will kill you. Revenge, criticism, gossip will destroy you. Many people will die before their time, not because of alcohol and drug addiction, but because of hate and vengeance in their heart. It's toxic to your body. All the while, they're complaining about the world conditions without realizing it's not the world conditions that kill us. It's the conditions of our heart. And so it's real easy to blame where we are as a nation on other people and worry about it and talk about it and be angry about it. God help us in 2020. I think I'm going to move out of the country. I, there's no telling what will happen in 2020 elections. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. People are crazy. You say, well, how can you say that? It's real easy. You're saying it in your heart. There's meanness. There's anger. There's hate. Everybody thinks their way is the only way. And the reality is that we ought to pray for everybody. The world change, and I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be critical. I'm not going to uh, criticize those who voted for a candidate other than mine. Just smile and be drug tested. Because that's what will happen. So in order to address the hatefulness, we have to develop a mouth for the future. David also said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David's basically saying, don't let me waste my energies on something I cannot change. Don't let me waste my energies on somebody that doesn't want my help. Don't let me talk to or talk about people who don't want to be talked to and don't need to be talked about. Help me, God. Now, that doesn't mean you're not diligent. doesn't mean you don't make decisions. It, I mean, if you're a boss, you may have to fire somebody. But that doesn't mean you have to do it with a bad heart. I mean, there are all kinds of, we have to address issues, but we can do it with a heart of redemption and compassion. I've had to terminate, I had to terminate one of my very best friends one time from California, flew him in, great guy, intelligent, brilliant, but he just was slow in everything he did and nicest guy. Like I said, he was really smart, but I woke up one morning and God said, if you don't let him go, he's going to hang, it's going to pull you down. And I just went to his office. I said, I'm so sorry, but this morning I woke up and I felt in my heart that it's time for you to, to, to step down. Now, you could say, that, that was me. No, it broke my heart. See, it's a condition of the heart. If you're happy about somebody suffering, you have a hateful heart. But if you have a, a heart that hurts for them and has compassion for them, it changes everything. So you may have to make some tough decisions with your children. No, you and your entire family are not moving back home. Because that's what all the millennials have got. Well, I got two addresses, mine and mom's and dad's. No, not in, not in this lifetime. Good luck. Have a great time. We do have a tent out back that you can use, and 
I guess city parks might allow you to be there since they're paid by tax dollars. I don't know. Just a thought. Secondly, develop disciplines that contribute to your destiny and your strong finish. You can't just use your mouth. Your mouth should give direction to your act. And so you have to have those disciplines that feed your heart, control your mouth. He said, though you probe my heart and examine me at night, though you test me, you will find nothing. I have resolved that my mouth will not sin. Lastly, change from helpless living to helpful promises and hopeful promises. The way you address your hurtful past your hateful heart is through the helpful promises of God. Like I said, he said, if I bless you, I want you to be a blessing. Help me, God. These are his promises. I will bless you in the city, country coming in and going out. He said, I'll do all these things. Psalm 18 says, you, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against the troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Give your energy to advancement. Give your energy to scaling the mountains and the walls that are before you. Don't wait for someone to tear one down. Don't wait for someone to change or make a way. God said, I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. You're waiting for somebody else. Well, you'll be waiting a lifetime. It's been my experience is one of the greatest demonic ploys of all is sitting around like that frog waiting on somebody to turn you into a princess. I would have just kissed my leg. I'd kiss my, now I'm a princess, baby. All you need is a kiss. Well, now, don't be going out in the lobby saying, Pastor said, some of y'all be looking around. I don't know why the Bible says greet each other with a holy kiss. This generation would be in trouble. Be a part of the Me Too church. Slow, but getting there. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. That's our help. You're not asking him based on your performance. You're asking him based on the performance of Jesus. I'm not, you say, well, you know, how many of you, well, you're growing up, man, I heard this more, you made your bed, lie in it. Well, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. And, you know, there are times that people who don't want help and refuse to repent, I get that. But God's not that way. God's saying, the minute you turn to me and ask for help, I promised I would, and I will. And so if you really, really want to change your world, spend your energy right, quit talking about others and to others and start talking to God. Hebrews 13, 9 says, Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. In other words, it is the grace of God that strengthens our lives. God's promise of help is unmatched. It's not only unmerited, it is unmatched. Even in darkness, the word says, light shines or light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. You see, again, this is where a hateful heart and misspent energies will keep us from the blessing of God. It says that darkness, the light dawns for the upright, for gracious and compassionate and righteous men, women, people, okay? God's promise of help is unending. In other words, he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Many people quit because they think they've exhausted God's grace. 
do you really think you can do that? I've exhausted God's love. I've worn God out. You know how my, my repenter is broken. Therefore, God has to be upset. You can never, ever exhaust the mercy and the grace and the love of God. I know sometimes there's that one person, that one thread that just keeps hanging on in your soul that would keep you bound, hurting, and hateful. You have to let go. We have to let go. Change your world today by changing your thoughts. If you change your thoughts, you'll change your behavior. It doesn't mean you have to like everything that everybody does. It doesn't mean you have to hang out with everybody. It doesn't mean that. It simply means in your separation, in your change of direction, in your change of season, whatever it might be, you can look at someone with compassion and say, I don't do that anymore. You know why we don't? Because we're taught it's politically incorrect. And let me tell you something. One of the greatest things you'll ever do for your life is to protect it and keep it from being around people who are not helping you advance against the truth and scale a wall, but they're holding you back and holding you down. Those are people who say, I'm cutting ties. So that's just wrong. No, it's not wrong. Pray that somebody else comes along that, that can help them, but you can't because you can't fix everybody. You can only fix you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've given us the power the authority, the grace to change our world. May we not waste it, ignore it, misuse it. But Lord, we're trusting you and we're going to make our world change. With heads bowed and eyes closed, there are those of you, I'm sure, that are not Christians, followers of Christ. Today, we want to pray a simple prayer. I want to ask all of you in here to pray this with me and those of you watching online, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I confess with my mouth, you are the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.